Dear friends, welcome to another edition of Forum 2000 Online Chats. My name is Martin L. I'm from the Czech Economic Daily Hospodářské noviny. Today we have with us Michael Cole. Michael is a Taipei-based senior advisor for countering foreign authoritarian influence at the International Republican Institute in Washington, D.C., where he is also senior non-resident fellow of Global Taiwan Institute. And he's also Magnum and Gloria Institute fellow from Ottawa. It's a great pleasure to be here. Michael, uh, there is another congressional delegation this week in Taiwan. Uh, Chinese army is concluding this exercise, uh, which was not comparable with anything we have previously seen around the island and the Taiwan Strait. Some observers in Europe fear that uh, there is a new conflict emerging. Others say that China is still too weak uh, to attempt invasion. So how uh, do Taiwanese people see recent developments? Well, for the Taiwanese, this is more, uh, I would say, what we have experienced in, in recent weeks is more part of a continuum than a sudden break with past practices on the part of the, of the People's Republic of China. Uh, every day we live under the constant threat of, of Chinese uh, military aggression, intimidation, coercion, and whatnot. Uh, for months now, there has been continuous PLA activity near Taiwan, around Taiwan, getting near the median line in the Taiwan Strait. On an almost daily basis in the past two years, we have seen intrusions by PLA uh, aircraft in the air defense identification zone uh, in southern parts of Taiwan. So now we certainly saw a spike uh, in military activity that was combined with a need on Beijing's part to express discontent uh, over the Nancy Pelosi visit uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they used that as justification, but as I said, uh, things have been moving in the direction uh, where Chinese belligerence uh, was more visible, it was more routine, uh, and now we're seeing, notwithstanding the fact that the exercises have have been uh, terminated in the six boxes that they erected around Taiwan, uh, we continue to see more uh, military presence, particularly by PLA Navy uh, vessels in areas where they had probably not been active beforehand. So this is, this is the new norm. Uh, unfortunately for Taiwan uh, and United States, uh, news of the Pelosi visit to Taiwan was leaked about a week and a half before she actually visited Taiwan, which gave Beijing to ramp up the rhetoric on a daily basis. It, would, it was becoming more and more aggressive, uh, which made it nearly impossible for the Chinese government then to de-escalate or to not do anything. So the, uh, the Taiwanese are quite pragmatic. Uh, they are used to this kind of behavior by the Chinese and also realize that a very large component of what we went through in the past couple of weeks uh, was much more aimed at a Chinese domestic audience, uh, but also signals of deterrence to aimed at, uh, at Taiwan and the United States, than an actual preparation for military invasion uh, of Taiwan. Is the blockade a real threat that Taiwan is facing now more realistic uh, than uh, invasion? A blockade has always been a uh, one of the options on on the table for the for the PRC. Uh, and certainly uh, a lot of the activity that we saw during the, the ramped up exercises uh, seemed to fit into uh, that, that particular type of scenario. Now, I would say, however, that sustaining an embargo uh, around Taiwan 
would be a very difficult proposition for the People's Liberation Army, largely because you cannot uh, blockade Taiwan in a regional vacuum. Uh, so if you were to try to sustain a blockade, economic blockade, military blockade of Taiwan over several days, if not weeks, if not months, uh, that would inevitably have an impact on regional economies. So countries like South Korea, countries like Japan, uh, and down in the South China Sea, Philippines, Singapore, other major economies would also uh, feel the repercussions of that of that blockade against Taiwan to such an extent that if only for economic reasons, reasons of global economy, uh, you would start seeing major, major pressure on the part of major regional economies uh, to bust that blockade because that could not not have an impact on their own economies as well. So the notion that China can can blockade Taiwan without that having repercussions on the region, if not the international community, uh, in my opinion, overstates uh, Chinese ability to use that particular tool uh, to coerce or, or punish Taiwan. What are the possible or realistic scenarios uh, from the Chinese perspective? Well, short of a military invasion of Taiwan proper, the Chinese, if they still insist on a, on a military response uh, or military strategy against Taiwan, uh, they could certainly try to seize some of Taiwan's uh, islands in the South China Sea, or possibly, uh, even though that would already ramp up the escalation, uh, some of Taiwan's outlying islands in the Taiwan Strait, so islands like the Matsu, uh, Jinmen, and perhaps even Penghu Islands, uh, that in and of itself would not be sufficient to break the, the, the will to resist on the part of the Taiwanese, let alone compel the government in Taipei to abandon its current policies and possibly give in uh, to Chinese demands on, on unification. So those are the military options, uh, if we can call them options, uh, that would also inevitably spark a response uh, from the United States, uh, but also by the international community, not to mention the fact that these limited military operations would also compel the Taiwanese to do more for their own self-defense, because the threat would have become much more, uh, much more serious, much more real uh, to them than the abstract under which they have lived over, over a number of years, if not decades. Now, short of military operations, there is a number of things that the Chinese could try to do in you know, in, in gray zone operations, things like uh, efforts using disinformation, using uh, underground proxies to try to destabilize uh, Taiwanese society, uh, to undermine the good functioning of its democratic institutions. Uh, you could rely upon uh, pro-Beijing organized crime that is operating in Taiwan uh, to target individuals, to conduct sabotage against uh, infrastructure, government institutions and whatnot. Uh, again, to try to sow chaos uh, within the Taiwanese society, uh, to undermine their, their belief in their government's ability uh, to withstand pressure from, uh, from China. And all these measures as well have a certain element of plausible deniability, uh, which could then make it easier for Beijing to claim that it did not have a hand uh, in these particular types of operations against, uh, against Taiwan, and could claim that those were solely uh, domestically generated in Taiwan, even though I don't think anyone here in Taiwan would believe uh, these denials on, on Beijing's part. So these are all part of the constellation of tools uh, at Beijing's disposal. Uh, my assessment, having been in Taiwan for several years, is that the Taiwanese are a lot more resilient, a lot more self-aware than people outside Taiwan oftentimes think. 
which to me says that democratic firewall that has been erected by the Taiwanese themselves uh, gives them a lot more resilience to counter uh, those efforts by, uh, by China to, to, to undermine their morale uh, or to affect their, their support for the current government. Uh, and so much so that at the end of the day, I would maintain that Beijing's arsenal or its toolkit is actually quite limited. And so what about Americans? What can be the American scenario or American reaction? Will Americans be patient enough to sustain growing Chinese pressure? Well, I would say that American patience has certainly grown in recent years as the value of Taiwan, uh, not only because of its, of its role within the international or global economy, uh, but more and more the assessment in, in Washington, D.C. that Taiwan, as a frontline state, uh, has a major role to play in, in countering authoritarian influence uh, globally, uh, but certainly within, uh, within the region in the, uh, the Indo-Pacific. So the fact that Taiwan has more value uh, has translated into uh, bipartisan support within U.S. government uh, for providing assistance to Taiwan, helping Taiwan bolster its deterrence, uh, its defense capabilities, but also its self-confidence uh, through engagement with the international community, oftentimes with support uh, by United States. U.S. Congress has been very vocal, and we've seen a number of, of visits, and we continue to see them. Those will continue. Uh, those are bipartisan in nature. Uh, one major change that we have seen in the past decade is within the executive branch of U.S. government, where in the past there tended to be a bit more skepticism uh, of Taiwan, I would say, or certainly fears in Washington that uh, certain elements within Taiwanese government, within Taiwanese politics, could uh, cause trouble, if you will, uh, in the Taiwan Strait. But that was largely in the context of U.S. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, so they did not want to see the emergence of a third contingency, if you will, uh, in the Taiwan Strait involving the Chinese military. Now, Afghanistan and Iraq are very much uh, a thing of, of the past, at least for in terms of major uh, U.S. military involvement. There is currently contingency in Ukraine, uh, but the Americans have sufficient capabilities uh, to operate in two theaters simultaneously. Um, now, one important thing that U.S. government, uh, I would counsel, uh, should be doing in the coming weeks and months is through calculated actions to try to bring back some balance in the Taiwan Strait uh, in the wake of the imbalance that was created by PLA activity uh, in the past two weeks or so. It would be very important, for example, amid claims by Beijing that there is no such thing as a Taiwan Strait, uh, that there is no tacit median line uh, in the Taiwan Strait. It will be very important for United States Navy, but also other uh, world navies, to resume transit uh, in the Taiwan Strait to reaffirm uh, the position of the international community that those are indeed international waters. Uh, we will continue to see U.S. military presence in the region. It would help if you saw a larger number of countries, possibly Japan, uh, but certainly European allies as well, increasing their presence uh, in the area so as to bring back some, some stability and also signal to China that their altering of the status quo in the Taiwan Strait uh, will not go unmatched. What can be the role of the European Union in this whole affair? What are the expectations in this regard in Taiwan? And also, uh, can the Czech presidency of the Council of European Union be somehow involved in diplomatic negotiations? 
Well, certainly having um, a united response from the EU as a bloc would be uh, would be optimal. Although we are conscious that it's very difficult. Uh, for all EU members to be on the same page when it comes to these issues. And China has actually been quite good at exploiting uh, the differences of opinion that exist among uh, EU member states. Uh, but I, I would argue that one of the, the key roles that the EU could play uh, prior, uh, let's say, to a, an invasion scenario uh, in the Taiwan Strait, uh, it would be to have as united a front as possible, signaling that there would be uh, major costs uh, politically, uh, but also economically, uh, if the Chinese were to uh, to choose to use force uh, in the Taiwan Strait. So I would say uh, that the main role for the EU is not so much once uh, there is an actual armed conflict in the Taiwan Strait, but prior to the possibility that this would happen. Uh, so, in other words, uh, a major role supporting other, other major economies, regional powers in Asia, uh, in sending signals of deterrence uh, to Beijing uh, to try to change their calculations as much as possible and to take them as far away as possible uh, as the moment where they calculate that they could get away with a military invasion of, of Taiwan. So the more there is a promise of reputational, economic, diplomatic costs uh, to engaging in that type of behavior, uh, assuming rational decision-making in Beijing, the less likely it is that someone like Xi Jinping and his advisors, uh, not to mention PLA generals, uh, would think that the moment has now arrived for them to, to resolve the Taiwan issue, if you will, uh, through force. What are the lessons learned from the war in Ukraine for Taiwan as well as for China? Hmm. Uh, well, that's that's a very important question. Uh, certainly, the Chinese are paying very close attention at the moment to to what's going on in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, the reaction by the international community uh, has been quite quite muscular, certainly in terms of sanctions and provision of defense articles to Ukraine. Uh, if the Chinese conclude that Taiwan would secure similar uh, support from the international community, that is not a given, uh, but certainly uh, work is being done to ensure that a number of countries would play a role. Uh, again, that could contribute to deterrence against uh, against China. One one thing that I, I suspect the Chinese have learned uh, is that Vladimir Putin uh, threatened for a number of days, if not weeks, uh, that he would use uh, major force at the outset of the invasion of Ukraine uh, to subdue the uh, Ukrainian military. So he mobilized a lot of uh, a lot of troops, but the actual first first wave or first push, if you will, was was surprisingly limited, and it was easier for Ukrainian military to to counter it. Uh, one possible lesson that the Chinese would have learned is that if at the outset they threatened to use. Uh, massive military operations and a shock, uh, shock and awe kind of operation, uh, they would have to go all out from, from the very beginning uh, so that they could knock out the Taiwanese military at the outset, uh, rather than have it drag over weeks and months, as we've seen in, uh, in Ukraine. Now, given the limited terrain in Taiwan and the high density uh, of, of uh, urban areas, if the Chinese were to decide to use overwhelming force, and that very likely would include large amounts of ballistic missiles, uh, it is very likely that that would be catastrophic for Taiwan, and the human cost to, could also compel 
uh, the international community to step in for uh, humanitarian reasons. So the Chinese could calculate that that is the, uh, the way to go, but again, uh, reputational costs and, and potential response could actually be detrimental to Chinese interests. So that would also be part of their calculations. Another potential uh, lesson learned from the Chinese is that this type of military operation might not be the best way to try to uh, to capture a government and subdue a population. Uh, not to mention the fact that unlike Russian troops entering Ukraine uh, via a land border, uh, invading Taiwan is all the more complex because Chinese troops would have to cross by the Taiwan Strait. So at its narrowest, about 100, 110 kilometers, uh, this is a one of the most uh, difficult types of military operations uh, ever. Uh, so certainly the notion that the Chinese could accomplish a quick victory in the Taiwan Strait and put sufficient number of boots on the ground to occupy the government, not to mention the need to pacify a resisting population of 23.5 million people, uh, it's a very, very difficult ask uh, for the People's Liberation Army as well. So I'm optimistic that having seen the Russian debacle in Ukraine, uh, the Chinese government at this point would conclude that military, military option, even though it's still on the table and very much part of its discourse on Taiwan, uh, is probably not something that they want to, uh, to, uh, to use for, for the time being. Thank you, Michael. That was another edition of Forum 2000 Online Chats with Michael Cole, Taiwan-based analyst focusing on Chinese influence. Great being here. Thank you.